welcome to the Aging Millennials Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Aging Millennials Podcast, Episode 7. It's wonderful to have you with us today. Lucky number seven, I believe. Why is number seven lucky? Is it because of the dice and the game, the craps game? You know, I think everything that has to do with numbers always has some biblical connection. Mm-hmm. I think seven is like, like seven yeah. plagues of, of Egypt. Something. Is that how many? I think it's biblical. Is that how many plagues Egypt had? I don't know. You had your yeah. locusts? I'm not up on up to speed on my Bible. No, me either. Gosh, maybe we need to fix that, huh? Just read the Bible for fun. I did uh, hear the other day about that there are like uh, archaeological pieces of evidence of Noah's flood. Hmm. Like maybe it was blown wildly out of proportion, but like something like that might have actually happened. Interesting. And but there's no way he got two of every animal on a boat. No, that would, I mean, that would have been no, pandemonium. But I just mean that there was a a, a big an flood. actual flood. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't even know. Maybe some guy. I don't even know about the guy who there wasn't a guy that survived it on a boat even. But yeah, just there was like a really big flood. Maybe it was like a tsunami, or or maybe it was only local to wherever the guy who recorded history was. That is a fascinating. Uh, called wormhole to go down. Even like the Wikipedia wormhole of like the historical. Um, you know, historians trying to find the right. roots of like, the Bible and Jesus, like right. historical you, Jesus, Jesus, like historically was a Jesus real guy, was a real yeah, person, a real, right? real man. Yeah, obviously, gosh, had a t- you quite know, the effect on people. There, there is like a theory that, like, I, there have been a lot of like pop culture movies and stuff about this. I think it was even that latest animated movie that came out where they are. Um, they're all these old magical creatures, but they're living in like normal times, like in suburbia. And the idea was that like there used to be magic upon the earth, hmm. but then like as society grew and as people got technology and as people like began to be able to communicate further distances, it died. Hmm. Magic, as in like magical beings, or just like people casting in the, spells in the on each other. Sense, like you can move something with your hand, or you could you could do a spell and like make someone fall in love with you. Or I want to believe that kind of stuff so is true. Everyone yeah. does. That's why Harry <laughs> Potter is as popular. Yeah, as yeah. We so love the idea that the mystical. There is a tiny, 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 tiny possibility that. Everything in Harry Potter is real. <laughs> Wizard, wizards a, and potions. A wizard world that we yeah. don't know about that's occurring simultaneously with us, and they're just keeping it from us, and it's dope. Did you ever read the Harry Potter stuff? I'm majorly love the Harry Potter oh, stuff. I didn't I read know every that. book when I was growing up, okay. seen all the movies. I read like the, Harry the first, Land. first two, I think, I read. Oh, it's incredible. Classic. Yeah, classic, classic series. But yeah. It's the storytelling. The, the vivid creative ingenuity of that story i mean to create the thing is the creativity to create a whole world of, of possibilities like and, hogwarts and hogwarts has so many openings for for but what stories. made harry potter great is that she came up with this cons the whole concept of hogwarts and the uh, ministry of magic and this whole idea of this of this magical underworld of magic but really. then what made it great was she wove into that world 
a really compelling story sure. with compelling characters. Sure, sure. And it just blew up. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I think the root of all great fiction like that, especially um, these fantastical stories, is, of course, a very solid uh, protagonist in mm-hmm. Harry Potter himself, you know. Um, and there's something... There's always that, a love interest. There's something that we need to... Like, life is dull yeah and boring and we need to think that maybe there's something that's like super exciting and cool that we don't know about like well and and but there's almost nothing bad about harry too he's one of those pure protagonists where he's like he had it rough as a kid he had it rough as a kid with that story though right there's there's this you like anti-heroes well here's this kid who was just abused his whole life right his life is horrible he's orphaned 12 years he discovers hogwarts when he's 12 years old and he's literally living in a cabinet under the stairs, like a closet. Yeah, a like room with foster parents or whatever. With, with his uh, aunt and uncle and an asshole cousin that hate him. Yeah, right. So he's just, just picked on. Horribly, yeah. right? In real life, that kid would not be like a kind, pleasant hero <laughs> kid. Like if you keep a kid in a broom cupboard for 12 years and abuse him, he's, he's going to be mean. Yeah, a mean kid, yeah. Well, but Harry Potter is like this little shrub, like pleasant, happy-go-lucky kid. I mean, well, maybe he's, it got he's him. Haunted, maybe it so. got him just in time. You know, you know. Maybe. Maybe when you figure out you're a really a wizard, you, you it's also you, a fictional. You mel- <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I could go in a lot of different directions, current. That's just that that story is very compelling to me. Well, that's. I mean, it, it grasped. It was the. Let's. Uh, I don't want to bring it up to par with Lord of the Rings, but it will become the Lord of the Rings well, of, of the millennial almost, generation. That's it what it'll almost, be. It, the themes that run through it are, are archaic and traditional, yeah. like Shakespearean almost like, uh, um, a kid avenging his, yeah, like Frodo, like right. it's right on par. Yeah. Yeah. So fantasy, I've realized that over the years will always have a place to be reborn, you know, fantasy. Cause the, the human condition is to want to think that, that something fantastical uh, is true is is re- can be real, you know. So our mind wants to grasp onto that that side of the imagination. Uh, we're almost missing in that in in modern literature that kind of old like Steinbeck, uh, uh, Hemingway, like someone who talks about the real world. Even though the real world now there's plenty to write about. Like there's I'm sure there's going to be some good novels that come out of this time period. A lot of the a lot of these guys only were able to write as well as they did because of the deep knowledge that they had in their field. Mm. For example, and that's the difference between Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings is based heavily on Norse, North, Norse, Norse, Norse mythology. Oh, okay. And the guy who wrote it was, uh, I think it was Oxford, but it was one of those British, old British universities. Yeah, Tolkien. And he, right, Tolkien was um, a professor of linguistics and like Norse mythological history. And that all of those stories were elements of them were taken from about goblins, right? And, from the oldest uh, yeah. myths that we have, right? And, and right. that's why he was able to weave such an interesting story. He didn't just come up with all that stuff. So there was a he just used it. it. Well, he read Harry, he read old stories, right? And right. Kind of worked. He got out. it. He got all that stuff from yeah. places. Even Harry Potter, you know, goblins and giants. Sure, and all that it's stuff. all coming from something. It all comes from all of those old, which and then always ties stories. back to like biblical stuff a lot of it well pre-biblical pre-biblical yeah bible wasn't that long ago really yeah two thousand years ago yeah i mean well, le- yeah less you know that. it was a roman it was roman times it was mm. during the roman empire it, 
it was after the Greeks right at, and everything. Well, like what, a hundred years after Jesus' death, something like that. Well, the Rome, like, um, what's that guy that that ordered Jesus to be, uh, or that the the Roman uh, emperor who ordered, who like washed his hands, Pontius Pilate. Pontius Pilate, right? He was he was under the Caesars. Yeah, right. Yeah, and and the Romans came after the Greeks. You're talking about Aristotle and all that stuff. Mm. That was before Jesus, like way before. Gosh, savage times. You know, and then you get into like even pre that you know, Mesopotamia stuff. We have history from way, way before. Yeah, Jesus. the older you get, that's that's the thing. Like now in our thirties, the older you get, you realize like, oh wow, yeah, two thousand years ago, yeah, it seems long. But not it's not that long, that long not ago. Not that long at all. And we literally have formed our entire history among us. Yeah, there was things that happened be- behind that. But what has has formed our thought process of today has happened in those 2,000 years. I just, I just read a crazy fact. So if the sun <clears throat> was shrunk to the size of a white blood cell, the Milky Way galaxy would be the size of the continental United States of America. Hmm. That's how big the Milky Way galaxy is. Jeez. A white, the sun would be a white blood cell relative to the United States of America to the sun to the Milky Way. Gosh, the vast. And that's just the Milky Way. There's billions of galaxies. Huh. Yeah. There's billions of stars in the galaxy. Yeah, we talked about this already, but I, 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 for sure, there's like 100% certainty inside there is sentient life out in, oh, 100%. in, in the universe somewhere. 100%. It's happening. I, I hope it happens in our lifetime. I hope the aliens come. I don't know. I think it's a little bit like to think that, I mean, already we had the internet in our lifetime. <laughs> We're know, getting I mean, greedy. Yeah. How many like world changing revelations? Well, th- that's what I'm saying. Maybe we, we're we're living through the most rapid moments of change in human history. But you could say that maybe that we already knew about the sentient life and it just wasn't able to be disseminated because of now the internet and we're used to having all this information and all this information is like those videos the tic-tac videos of the ufos that Mm -hmm. the government just released yeah that wouldn't have happened before the internet the only reason it happened is because people got it on the internet and circulated it and then they were like yeah well it could be a thing it could be the thing like where like the government is hiding it and they're thinking of like a good time like that everyone won't freak out about it you know well now would be a good time just that's what i'm saying now is as good a time as ever would be like Oh, Although there's aliens. On the other hand, Big it deal. might tip it. <laughs> you know? Oh, and by the way, there's aliens. Uh, well, there's always going to be Toilet that. paper would disappear again immediately. <laughs> Gosh, the, the toilet need... paper would be gone. <laughs> what if the aliens need to wipe their asses? <laughs> we came here for Charmin! <laughs> <laughs> Our toilet paper is one ply and scratchy. We seek better toilet paper. <laughs> we, we came over here, guys. We just wanted to borrow a cup of sugar and some toilet paper and go back to we'll our... be on our way. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you guys are sick? Never mind. We'll come back. Lordy Lord. Yeah. Well, I know uh, now probably in the beginning of this whole... Uh, let's call it era of the of the virus i was like all right yeah let's do it i was yeah no we'll, we'll be fine everything will be good but this last weekend i really started to feel that like whew, i i miss the human normal human interaction that was like like I, well especially like i don't when i was single i used to go to the bar a lot yeah like just the watering know, hole yeah right now i got a family and stuff and i usually just hang home yeah. and watch movies and stuff but 
I feel for you know what I mean. Like especially, I, I used to live down the street from the bars in Punta Gorda, and mm -hmm. I just, I'd just wander down the stairs and walk off to the bars and have a nice night. You know, now it's like. Well, these things you take with that, but that shows you the things that you took for granted in the past, and that's one thing to take away from it is that is the now you'll never take normalcy when the, the new normalcy for granted ever again, and that's a that's a blessing. Like baseball, like yeah, I, I was gonna never say realized how much you missed it. Yeah, like I'm never gonna take it for granted again. You like, see, I'm so glad to <laughs> big stupid grin on my face. I'm so you. glad to have sports back. Actually, it showed me how much I really love sports. This last weekend, I finally ordered Sling again because I'm like, oh, I gotta have uh, Sling. Sling is like a when you have internet and you don't pay for cable, it's how you get cable, you know? And it's like legit cable. Like the, yeah, it's, it like gives you, you like Fox sun sports and all that stuff. You, no, you get ESPN, you get uh TNT I need Fox sun sports. Well, Cause you watch the rays and whatever, but I, I just need the mainstream channel. So anyways, it's not, it's like 30 bucks a month for the package or whatever. So you, um, last night, I, I was watching the NBA all weekend, which is actually pretty cool. I love the NBA. I just like NBA. Mm -hmm. And they've, they've created, it's in Orlando, created a bubble. And like all the teams are all mostly at full strength. And, and, and the action was like intense. It was cool. Baseball. Last night I watched the Yankees and Red Sox game on ESPN. But the, the difference it was weird. It was eerie, man. In the beginning, it was like, okay, we're playing baseball again. And baseball, because there's a game almost every day, because the games are really long, Sort of baseball is one of these sports where you're not necessarily, and, and for good reason, like you're not necessarily trying hard all the time. Like with baseball, you, you're kind of just living it and you get on hot streaks and you have to get into a rhythm. It's a flow the of the game thing. Yeah. Right. Like you don't go out there and like, like in basketball, you just, if I run harder and jump higher and yeah. it's like more of finding your rhythm and like getting mentally into it and understanding the pitchers. And these guys... Started the season hot. The Rays, anyway. The Yankees are still quite hot. Oh, yeah. But the Rays started the season hot. And then there was all this talk that, okay, the Marlins are out. The Phillies yeah. are out, whatever. They're like, Cardinals. we're probably going to cancel the season on Monday. I heard that. Yeah, I heard that, too. Yeah. Weekend. And it's not canceled, but there's there's rumors that it might be Because the teams canceled. keep popping up with the These virus. like, why am I going to go out here and bust my butt and possibly tear my ACL or something? If this season isn't even going to matter, yeah, no, like no, it's messing with them. It, none of this stuff is going to matter. Why are we even trying? So they're kind of just belly scratching. Well, these people are opting out every day for sure because because of it's an awkward thing. And more than anything, it's like Yankee Stadium on a Sunday night versus the Red Sox, and it's completely empty. Completely. And, and I wish they wouldn't pipe in the noise. I know it's, it's so, so weird. It's eerie. And then they blast like home runs and they blast foul balls in the ball. They show the ball like landing just in the stands. There. Just sits <laughs> and there. it just rolls down. You're like, God, this really does feel. I don't know if they did it at Yankee Stadium yet, but mm. the Rays played the Braves the other day. Yeah. And the Braves, you know, all the sta all the stadiums are doing this where they'll put your cutout in the seat. Yeah, yeah. So and weird. The Rays haven't got around to it yet, but the Braves did. And it is so weird. Yeah. Like, First of all, please at least make everybody's head the same size. <laughs> like you got this guy with this gigantic head and like yeah. making a creepy face and like it's just it's off-putting. You you think that's weird? Um, watching the NBA games because you know what they're doing is they're putting like virtual fans in what? the stands. Yeah, like they're like video streams, like Zoom. Like it's what do they put like green? Back, screen background they, it's chair? like they have no backgrounds yeah it's just a person there you got to see it it's 
extra I'm weird. Creeped out for sure already. And they're like cheering it, but it's like all weird. It's 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 weird, you know. I don't know. I don't know. I've never really been a basketball fan. You know, I still am. I watched it over the weekend, and I just I kind of like just because I've missed sports so much that I'm just getting into it now. And what they're doing in the NBA is actually pretty cool. They're playing eight games, like for seeding in the playoffs and they go straight into the playoffs which is like well they have a long playoff structure yeah they have four rounds nfl where it's like three playoff games and then the super bowl four rounds seven game series each round so it's a lot i really want to be able to watch hockey like i've never been i go to hockey i don't even know what's happening with hockey well they're starting yeah they they just started i mean we have a great hockey team yeah tampa bay yeah i just like i love hockey games i love going to them but it was not something that we ever played no. When we were kids, it's like, exciting you played game to Little go League to. baseball, you played YMCA basketball, you played, you know, JV football, whatever, so you understand it. Hockey's like yeah, but you get the general not an gist. option for yeah, a kid in Florida. Pay, yeah, but, but uh, I've been to a lightning game, and it's thoroughly fun. It's very cool, but it, uh, as far as, like, watching a whole hockey game on TV, like, good yeah. luck. Yeah. I mean. It's hard. You got to follow the puck. Well, they remember they had that blue yeah. thing on the puck? They I don't to do that anymore. I like the fights. <laughs> yeah well i guess good on good on these on these leagues for at least trying they you know they could have just said the only reason forget they did it. it is because the, the, the owners don't want to do it they just yeah. they have to deal with the league the player association yeah that's paid. true yeah i guess there's a lot of money involved isn't yeah. there? they're not making any money dude well, the players are. They're still making. No, the league though. They're probably lucky if they're breaking even. Yeah, no, no. They're they're no definitely. No buttons, any seats. Uh, yeah, they're taking a hit for sure. And I know they get ad revenue from TV, but it's not. Yeah, like... I struggle to feel bad for the billionaire owners of sports teams. I think they're doing okay. They might take a bad year. Like most of these guys buy sports teams, literally the value, no matter what, goes up every year. But some year. of them, like the Packers, are owned by the fans. That's like the only team that's owned by Is the it? fans. Yeah. Very few teams are like that, but that's that's a that's that's what sets a pack. But remember, it's like Green Bay, Wisconsin. What were the chances they had an NFL franchise? This is a tiny little town in North Wisconsin, and that's what they're all. Yeah, but a, a town like that, it's got to be their main market has got to be like what is city is near there. It's, like, not, it's not like the Green Bay fans are, are oh, holding yeah. that up. It's no, gotta, for like, sure. What's near there? Like it's, it's somewhere far. in Indiana. Or it's probably I could. Like, I'm gonna guess it's like three hours from Milwaukee. So it's Milwaukee is the big city, and, but Milwaukee doesn't and Madison, have a football team. Madison is like where the University of Wisconsin is, but even Madison's got to be big, small. That's a big no. It's it's a uh, it's a big town. I think. Like Milwaukee's big. Milwaukee's a city. Milwaukee's like, but Milwaukee is towards like the southern part of the state. I think, but Milwaukee's not closer to any other team. M- Milwaukee has the Brewers. I'll be honest with you. I don't even know where Wisconsin is. <laughs> I literally don't. You're not up on your geography. No. It's it's in the north, obviously. You know that. I mean... It's above I know Illinois. Michigan is it's above Illinois. It looks like a hand. Right. It's right? A, it's like... Yeah. And then there's like Vermont. All to the right, there's like Vermont. Well, that's like and, the northeast, yeah. Right. And then to the left, there's like the Dakotas. And <laughs> under that, it's like uh, Kansas and like Idaho. No, no. You're way off, man. <laughs> you need to study a map but uh i could i could tell you europe probably better than even in the midwest i mean i don't know it wouldn't take you long i'm used to it because i'm in sales and i cover a a, a uh-huh. sec so i'm used to staring at i have a big map in my office so oh, cool i know where everything is you put little push pins everywhere you've been 
Not really. I mean, just look at the map and it gives me a little, uh, you know, a little layout of my territory. Brittany got me a, a United States map that's like a scratch off ticket like where you just, when you've been somewhere, you scratch it off. Oh, yeah. And it turns a different color. That's cool. You've been to a lot of states, yeah? Not lately. Yeah. But in your life, you know. Yeah. Visited a lot of places with my parents when I was a kid. Driven through a lot of places. No, we never never drove hmm. anywhere, really. One time, me and my parents drove all the way from, I think it was Dallas to Phoenix. And that was a long drive. I drove myself uh, from Tallahassee to the upper peninsula of Michigan. Yeah, that's far. To that's San, across that's to whole, San Diego. It's a whole country. To San Diego, then up the coast to the Canadian border in Washington, then back down to San Diego and across back to Florida. That's that's in crazy. Like a couple weeks. It's the entire country you drove. <laughs> <laughs> Lordy Lord, it was wild. Sounds like one heck of an adventure. It wasn't. <laughs> it was fun. Wasn't that great? And I had a dog with me. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you got to go out on a limb, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was cool. I think it was sort of like a half-hearted attempt at like moving to California, mm. but it was like not easy to live in California. Like it's hard to find a job, and I don't know. It, the way to move to California is to do it from a position of power and resources. Like you don't try to move to California with nothing other than what's in your car. Lots of people try to do that. It but doesn't end well. Normally, for me. normally it doesn't. You know, you've people people go. I mean, L.A. has that big dreams. Uh, it's a dream. Yeah. I, I I've been there like so many times in the, in the last couple of years. Probably three or four times I've been to L.A. area for work. Sometimes I visit my brother out there, and uh, every time I get even hanging out with my brother's friends or even the people I know out there, it's such. It's such a dreamer's place of people trying to get famous, start businesses, mm -hmm. become known, make money. And there's a certain element of that, just like New York, of like the we're gonna get it here. You know, right. this is this is where it's happening. Why else would you put up with the traffic and Oh, the traffic is like a living hell. Yeah. We should try and get Andrew Rill on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I like see him on Instagram. He's out there like he's all Got like hair down to his lower back. He's yeah. all jacked up. He's yeah. like an actor or something. I don't know. Man. Yeah. It's been but a long time since I talked to that guy. Awesome. I would love to have real on. But it just seems like everyone who goes to LA ends up in a situation like that. Yeah, for sure. That's what it is. For you sure. end up with this humongous Doing handstands group on the beach people. with your with a backpack full of your headshots. Listening to electronic music. Right. <laughs> hanging hanging out at dispensaries or whatever. You know, it's just it just happens. It's a hit place. It's a hit place. But it's also can be somewhat taxing. Like for me, it. I could spend like a week or two in LA and I'm like, get me out of well, this place. Well, there's also a lot of homeless oh, yeah. people. It's a lot of skid row action going All on. All over there. California. People just end up, that's what happens. They go out there to find the dream yeah. and they don't find it. They fail. Right. And, and they get addicted to end drugs. Up, end up drug addicts on skid right. row. Yeah. Hey, you know, that's, the, but that's New York. It's all big cities though. People, that happens to a lot of people in big cities, you know? Like somebody, I heard the analogy that California is like, if you took the United States and just turned it on its side and shook it, <laughs> like everybody that was loose would just end up in California. <laughs> Not grounded. Yeah. It's <laughs> a good analogy. But parts of California are 
just awesome. Like the vineyards of like Napa Valley and wine country and stuff. I was only there when I was a kid, but it is stunning. I mean, just hills covered with grapevines with like this one place I was at had this gigantic like glass sculpture just like gleaming in the sun in the yeah. middle of all these like grapevines. So totally right. One time up in the north part of in like around the Bay Area, I went to go visit this this machinery dealer and he lived out in Chico, California. Okay. And dude, I, we, I met him at the C- Sierra Nevada brewery for, nice. for a business lunch. And this guy was like leaning back, like, like total California, like slick businessman type. And he's like, full hey, tan. What, are you, what are you doing for the rest of the day? I'm like, yeah, five o'clock shadow. <laughs> it's like, exactly. It was like, right. I was, it's like, I'm going to go back to the hotel and do some work. He's like, no, no, come, come over to my house. I'm like, okay. So I drive over to his house on the hills of, of, of Chico. And he has his own vineyard, his own little private vineyard. That's dope. His own little, his <laughs> own little, man, that's his dream. own little deck overlooking cool. the canyon. Did you get his business? Yeah, we sold it. We sold nice. stuff together. Yeah, so, um, but either way, uh, it just it opened my so, eyes. I mean, to what that. have you just had, spent a pleasant afternoon on the guy's porch and had yeah, pretty much, a bottle of wine and pretty much just hung out. Yeah, we he basically you know gave me his rundown of what his his life and he was like more more than just talking about business and selling machine stuff. Was learning about like his life and. You know, he was like opening up about himself. Like That's it was cool. The California way, you know what I mean? Um, but anyways, it just opened my eyes to the California lifestyle. Like it's a different... It's a much it's a more relaxed, laissez-faire. Right. It's a relaxed, chill, easygoing, hey man, what's going on? Let's talk about what you're doing, man. Now, the, Florida has a different flavor of that. Because Florida is the Caribbean. Yeah, it like, has it that. Is. Like look at a map. Like seriously... The Florida below the Panhandle is part of the Caribbean. It looks on the map like it's yeah, a, it's in yeah. the Caribbean. It's like we're very close to all of the Caribbean islands and Bimini and Cuba and all those places. And it's like that sort of it's a getaway. Yeah, that place. sort of vibe is here also. Yeah, but yeah. it's a different laid back than the California laid back vibe. Oh, a hundred percent different. Because, I mean, we're, we're the line where the South broke. You know what I mean? It's like eventually you get into this, the, the further South you get into Florida, it starts to turn more islandy right, and, and beachy. And there's a whole Spanish thing. Too. Yeah, yeah. Interesting demographic is in Florida for sure. And people keep moving here. You know, that's a. It's funny that Florida would be like the retirement place. Like, I know, and now West, it's Arizona. Yeah. Like, it's not California or San Diego, it's Arizona. Like it's inland. Well, because you know we can afford to retire in California, yeah. but uh, and San Diego is, can be a little rough around the edge. But I've spent a lot of time there too, in that in that Phoenix like greater area, like Tempe, like where the Arizona State like University what, is. What does Phoenix have to? What does Phoenix have going for it? I mean, it's landlocked, and it's really hot. Like here is really hot <laughs> and swampy, and it's like the jungle and stuff. But it also has like stunning beaches. It's well, like think about when a, it's beautiful water and stuff. Think about people go to a place to retire. What do they normally have? They have a, golf. I know there's a big a lot, of, a golf. lot of golf, and usually people who are semi well off retire. They're like you know people who but even here a lot of the middle class retire boats, and that's their. I'm thing. saying they spend money. They're economic engines. They create like the opportunity to open car shops and. So right, so cool so then so then a middle a middle working class comes and it just blooms out from there and then you well, also I mean naturally like you it, also have Phoenix as a city it's like an actual city you know it has like skyscrapers and well what is the like 
flora and fauna out there? Is it it's like, like the desert. desert? Yeah. It's the like desert. just as far as the eye can see, like maybe yeah. buttes and stuff? It's there's uh it's mostly think, you know, terracotta, beige, uh very like yeah, cactuses. There's like all, all that stuff's going on out there for sure. There's there's trees in some places, but it's it's hot for like, sure. Like okay, Utah. But get no, get this though, just like Florida. Uh, in Arizona, there's a period of time where the weather is perfect. And it's like probably, I don't know, in the spring or something. Yeah, in the winter, I would and, and And it's dry, cool. So it's like, you know, here here we get, it gets somewhat dry too, but it's, you know, it's the most. It's mo- never really dry. Oh, it's like the perfect temperature out there sometimes. And But then in the summer, it's and then like you here, have it's it, just blasting. Oh, gosh, it's so hot. It's, it's, uh, we have that, we have a trade show that we have in Las Vegas. Uh, it's a woodworking trade show every other year. They trade off with Atlanta and Vegas in the summertime, even. I mean, you're talking 115, 120 sometimes degrees Fahrenheit blasting down on you. That yeah, is rough. I haven't been out to Vegas. Yeah, I don't Sin know. Sin City. I don't know. It's, it's, for, it's for some people and for other people it's not. It's like... They're, now they've made it more family friendly, where you can go take your kids out and go right. go to shows, go to, go to the pool or whatever. But no matter what, there's always something debaucherous happening. Well, you played poker with uh, Michael Sarah, right? Michael Cena, yeah. No, it's Sarah. Sarah, John Sarah, Cena. yeah, 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 yeah. Michael Sarah. No, I was gonna say John Cena. I was like, wait yep. a minute. Was, <laughs> and Michael Sarah and John Cena are like literally four <laughs> opposites. Yeah. The guy from Superbad. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, at the Mirage, a $60 game. Guy, all of a sudden, sit down at the table. He's wearing a hoodie. We all look around, and everyone's like starting to look at him and going, oh, wait. And That's so funny. Finally, because... some guy goes, hey, are you someone famous? He didn't even say his name. <laughs> it's like, that's so, like, being a celebrity has got to be frustrating. It's just like any other, any other thing. Like, somebody has to not be cool about it, and then you can't be normal and have a good time. You know what I mean? Like, you're sitting at the table, you're playing poker, like, Everyone's kind of like, pretty sure that's Michael Sarah. Yeah. Like, okay, that's cool though. Like, I'm probably playing poker with Michael Sarah. This is pretty righteous. And then there's like, gotta be guys like, wait, wait a minute. Hey, I know you. You're somebody famous, <laughs> yeah. aren't you? And now he's gotta like do the whole thing. Like, no, yeah, he literally, he literally, he literally knew his his cover was blown, <laughs> and he's like, he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah. fold. I'm out. No, he kept playing. He was he did not I think it was a sixty dollar game. And the like, guys was were, he like effusive or was he like trying to like be... he was like generally pretty cool, but this one guy who was at the table who called him out <laughs> was then he went, Hey man, can I take a picture with you? Of course. And he's like holding a hand of and, poker. And he was cool about it and he's like, Nah man, cool, come on, man. No, no. And but this guy kept asking him questions. He was the one he was so this guy was Everybody like else he's the drunk cool. Vegas guy. Everyone's cool and just looking like, oh I get to play cards with this famous mm-hmm. guy. This guy's asking like, so how was it making that movie with that girl? <laughs> he's like, dude, I really just want to have my like so, imagine, Tom Collins. Remember this is like th- <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. And he wasn't a very good poker player. But maybe he wasn't he wasn't he wasn't trying at all. It was a sixty dollar game. Maybe that's his way of giving back he's to the community. Practicing, yeah. He didn't care. But anyways, um he, remember, he's like a he's like a B level, yeah, celebrity. No, he's not. Your Can you Brad imagine? Not, like, he doesn't go to the Emmy. Imagine being like the, the Rock or something. Well, they forget it. The Rock is in. You the can't private go room. in public. No, you can't go in public. I, so one thing I watched on Netflix was it's called The Last Dance. It's about yeah, my, the Michael Jordan. You thing. saw that? Everybody's you saw, seen that. I don't know if everybody saw. Well, that. I'm about halfway through. Oh, it's good. Yeah, it's a really good documentary. But he was sort of like peak apex celebrity. Like oh, Michael Jordan was like. 
Jesus level. That's what I'm saying. Like the Beatles. And and but it showed you in there like he's in his hotel room like messing around smoking a cigar and he's like he can't just can't go outside. Go out. no. And you and if you're Michael Jordan, you can't even put a baseball hat on because you're like nine feet tall. And like obviously Michael Jordan, yeah, you know what I mean. It's not like even <laughs> Brad Pitt. Like you can can't throw on hide some sunglasses and a baseball cap and get away with it for a while, you know, and you can go watch a concert or something. Right, like you'll see Leo DiCaprio out there sometimes, and right. he's just you like know, having water obscure. gun fights or whatever. But but it, it goes even goes back to the videos of like the Beatles coming states stateside. Like you look at the crowds and you're like, what do these people want? Yeah, like they're literally well, the, the crowds of the, women. The crowd, they would literally rip like, them apart. Rip them apart. <laughs> yeah, rip their clothes. Dude, off. Don't you love them? Don't you love their? Music? I mean, ultimately, it's ironic that I mean the outcome of being trapped in that would have to be death. I mean, you would be trampled to death. It's a hysteria. Like people are. Yep, are it's a madness. It's grabbing. It's a, it's the they they literally want to grab a piece of you. Of celebrity. <laughs> like the people just lose their minds. They're like, and it seems to be the most rabid group is teenage girls. Hmm. That's it. They're fierce. I mean, if, like, if we're looking at the fierce chihuahua of human beings, that's it. And it's, as a, as a group of people who are known for passing out easily, they're <laughs> they're pretty tenacious. <laughs> they are a tenacious crowd. Yeah. If you were a child or adolescent during the years from 1997 to 2005, and you experienced intense emotional trauma due to the death of a Tamagotchi pet, you may be eligible for a large cash settlement. Here at Dewey, Cheatham, and Howe, we believe that every person has a right to happiness. The Tamagotchi Corporation is responsible for the failure of an entire generation to adequately adjust to the difficulties of aging. The death of a pet can have a profound impact on the development of a young mind. Because of these harmful and dangerous devices, many of our nation's youth, through absolutely no fault of their own, had to endure repeated instances of pet deaths over and over again, sometimes simultaneously. My name is Charlie, and I had a Tamagotchi pet that I named Peter in high school. I didn't have any friends in high school, and I used to feed my Peter. I used to wake up, and I used to play my good Charlotte albums for Peter. One day I woke up, and Peter wasn't there anymore. He died on his screen. I had no idea why. Now I'm 30 years old, and I'm a crippling alcoholic. Where's my compensation? I, 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 used, to, I used to play with the Tam Tamagotchi, and I... I would, I would, he would hatch from the egg and he would grow and grow and I would, I would feed him and play with him and then he would poop and I, I'd clean up his poops and then, and then he'd beep, 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 beep and he'd dance and we'd play and then, and then he'd die. And then, and then he'd die. And then I'd, I'd get another pet and I'd, he'd hatch and I'd play with him and I'd name him and we'd play and I'd, he'd poop and I'd pick up his little poops and I'd play with him and I'd, he'd grow and get bigger and bigger and bigger and he'd poop. And I'd just clean up his little poops and we'd play and then, and then he'd die. He'd die. And, I'd, and then he'd die and he wouldn't be there no more. And I didn't have nobody, nobody to play with. Now I can't never be happy. I can't never find happiness. You ruined my life, Tamagotchi. You ruined it. You ruined it. Big business has an obligation to censor the types of items that are put into our children's hands. If you or someone you love has been negatively impacted by loss of Tamagotchi syndrome, contact our offices immediately. Mental anguish is no joke. I miss my Peter. I miss him so dearly. I, I got a short temper now. I can't have a relationship now. Dewey, Cheatham, and Howe is not responsible for any loss of life resulting from the class action lawsuit 
Dewey, Cheatham, and Howell versus Tamagotchi Corporation. In actuality, all responsibility for emotional distress rests squarely on the shoulders of the parents. This advertisement is a blatant and reprehensible affront to justice and should not be taken seriously by any person, whether previously having owned a Tamagotchi or not. Disclaimer not applicable in Delaware, Maryland, or the District of Columbia. Any and all cash settlements resulting from a favorable judgment to be immediately surrendered to wives of one through four of James F. Dewey, attorney at law. So let, let the record stand that John's ringer is Will Smith's Miami. Yeah, we just uh, had a, you probably didn't hear it because I will have cut it out, but uh, <laughs> the phone rang and I had to pause the podcast and Matt is now making fun of my Welcome to the city where the heat is on, on all night to the break of time. Welcome to Miami. I'm believe I'm Miami. So what led you to, to pick Will Smith's Miami as your ringer? It's Florida, man. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, okay. Florida, all right. It's classic. Going to pick a song, 2000, 2003. Big Willie style. Will Smith style. <laughs> Getting jiggy with it. No, 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 no. You heard? <laughs> the Wild Wild West. I love Will Smith, man. Yeah. So yeah. inspirational. Yeah, yeah. Now, no, you, if you saw what happened with Will Smith's family, woo. I know about it. You know a little bit about, about it? it? Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're a Hollywood family. So a Hollywood couple. Yeah. So that's yeah. the whole thing. It's kind but of you a see whole like what his kids like his, his kids are of the millennial variety, I believe. I think right yeah. on the edge of and they are out there. Are they? Oh yeah. I didn't know anything about his kids. Well, well the he was just, an actor, right? He was in that movie with Will Smith where when he was a kid with him and then he, he then he became a rapper. Well, so did Will Smith though for a while. Yeah, I mean, when you're Will Smith's kid, you could do whatever you want. You have like a budget of a hundred. You're also million. the bar is pretty high too. Like you better be fire. He's and he's nowhere near no, Will I mean, Smith's no. level. He's the Fresh Prince, dude. But but his his kids have the whole like millennial woke thing going on about polyamory, uh, oh, okay, and uh, androgyny, like genderless things going on, like. Those are the extremes of the millennials. And I think that that's what, when I talk to older uh, boomers, we'll call them, I guess. I mean, at this point, I think that's just what they are. I mean, that, yeah. that's what it is. It's not like, is it offensive to say boomer? My, my mom said she doesn't, she used to not like being called baby boomers because she's like, uh, we're not babies anymore. Like, I feel like, like my, my mom and dad are, are think probably are technically boomers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Gen- anyone 60 plus is a boomer now. Oh, well, my dad is like, not that old, you know. All right. Well, I think any whatever. But like they're, my they're parents would be mad if you called them boomers. It's like the post World War II baby boom. If you're but in it's that. the same with millennials. Like it, it, the where it starts is like not where you would think it starts. Like most people that are our millennials' parents are baby boomers. Yeah, technically. But I would say my dad is more like Gen X, like in vibe. Yeah, Gen X. I don't know about that. No, he's definitely like a '60s '70s guy. Yeah, isn't that Gen X? Born in... No, I thought Gen X was, like, born in the late 70s. Like, Gen X is the one before millennials. Right. Who, who, millennials who like, like, grunge music. 80, 1982, they started, right? They went from 1982 I guess to, I like guess that was technically defined. Past 2000, 2006 or something. If you took that period of time and transposed it to before 1982... Oh, it was 1996. 1996? Yeah. That's the millennial reign to be born. No, it's the millennials were born around the millennium. Before and after, within a certain no, that's time. not true. They became you become like of age, a teenager of of. The I thought millennium. it was when you were born. No, 
when you're born, it's see, this is why I, I agree with you in the last podcast that we make this stuff too complicated. You know, we, you're called millennials because you came of age, like in the, in, I thought it had a hundred percent to do with when you were born. Like you're born around the millennium, 20 years before, 20 years after. I don't know. I'm sure we should probably look that up since we, yeah, but who's the authority? What right. Exactly. It? No, I just think of it like a range. I of, feel like whatever Elon Musk says. <laughs> is the generations i'm going with that gosh he is he is like the iron man you know, Elon musk rules he's a pretty cool dude that guy rules yeah he he uh he makes the news a lot that's for sure i mean he's literally like the only one who's doing things about these crazy things that we talk about he's yeah. like oh i'm worried about like oh we're destroying the earth and everybody else is like oh, i'm destroying the earth like we have to outlaw save like, gas you. cars yeah. elon musk is like i'm gonna like build a mars colony he's like actually doing it <laughs> yeah 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 he's, he's a visionary is what they they call someone like and he's him. actually replacing you know gas cars with electric ones i don't know man. he puts I'm, it he puts his I money have a man crush on elon Musk. <laughs> he puts his money where his mouth is that's for sure and that's the thing that a lot of these billionaires are like oh i made a billion dollars i'm a billionaire oh great he's like no like i'll make five billion dollars and spend three billion and then do two billion. he's like doing things with all of his money you know yeah he's uh he's, he's dangerous though because he's the ceo of a major public company yeah um he's wealthier i think it just came out he's wealthier than warren buffett yeah like, during the pandemic his wealth has surpassed yeah yeah he, and he recently got into hot water but he and he does kind of kooky things that does have kooky negative things. impact on stock prices which you're talking about billions of dollars at stake yeah I mean? but it shows he's like that's what that's why he's he's cool because he doesn't he doesn't live like a lot of those billionaire guys like think about think about bezos and those guys they don't do it they don't say anything they stay in the quiet uh you know they stay in their mansions Man, is that guy a superhero villain, if you've ever seen one. Bezos, yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah, he seems that way. I don't mean to, like, uh, you know, shit on Bezos, because the guy's never done anything to me. He built a great big company, and, like, you can get anything you want on your doorstep at any moment. We have a tendency as a culture to sometimes vilify that kind of massive wealth, that no matter what, that we look at someone and go, that's absurd, sir. <laughs> That's a, like, I don't care how smart you think you are. You are lucky to be in that time and place to, to, to pull that off. He wrote it. He wrote the And now to have triple digits and billions, like to get to $100 billion, now it's just cuckoo money. And and so we tend to look at a guy like that and be like, you're wrong. You're just wrong to, to be that rich. And he might be like, oh, well, what do you want from me? Huh? <laughs> I made this business. It's great. I'm a billionaire. What do you want from me? And he, they, and once again, they pledge tons and tons of money. But they, they always come out with these statistics. Like when, remember, Bill Gates was the first guy who was really like that, like the first Rockefeller of of our. He was the first like obscenely. Well, although it's just by a different standard. Yeah, but I mean, Rockefellers and all of them, they were obscenely wealthy by the standards and the pro, of that and, time. And the but and the proportion was even greater back then. Like yeah. they like. Rockefeller was like five hundred billion dollars, something ridiculous. <laughs> Those guys, that same guy who, the same guy. Like I remember visiting on a side point here, like the the Biltmore in Asheville. Yeah, this is a like the biggest the house. Vanderbilt's the biggest house in America. These these people had so much money and time to build these things out in the middle of nowhere. I find it's interesting that, like, Trump is gonna 
ban TikTok. He's well, he's talking about it. No, it's gonna happen. It, no, it's not true because it's, it's, he brought up today because Microsoft is talking about buying. Yeah, TikTok. I know. That's the only way TikTok won't go away is if Microsoft buys them. And he said, and he came out with a transcript today where he said, if that happens, then the government needs to get a cut of the money. And right, but that, but it's difficult for me to believe that that all happened out of chance like all that would take is a conversation between trump and gates and be like i'm going to outlaw this thing they're going to literally have no chance no choice they will have to sell to a major american corporation for pennies on the dollar or just walk away with nothing like how about i outlaw them you can buy it for next to nothing and throw us a, a little piece of it so it's you, a deal. You think that's like man, manipulating on a high mm -hmm. level, huh? Yep. I mean, the the Chinese security issue is real. Yeah. Um, is it the driving force, the driving factor? I mean, there's a lot of Chinese technology. Well, these things become such economic drivers. Look at Facebook. Look at Twitter. Look at all of them. Look at Snapchat. They become billion-dollar companies. But you're talking about with TikTok... TikTok was the most downloaded. I think 170 million downloads or something. More teenagers are on TikTok than are on Facebook. Wow. And they're just six second videos or whatever, aren't they? But this is a this is a an app that has access to your camera and your microphone on your phone and has nothing to do with any American company. It's the Chinese Communist Party controls a company. That has access that you have given them, that the users have given them to your microphone and your So camera. they can spy. They can look at anything any teenager can see in the United States of America. They can tap into phones and spy people, spy on people. Yeah. All right. Mm -hmm. That's why they don't want the highway. Highway? Huawei? <laughs> Huawei. Huawei? Yeah. Could you imagine that if your whole infrastructure, 5G infrastructure was Chinese? They would just go, boop. And it's down. Yeah. Talk about your quick ways to win a war. There's no rules. There's no rules there in China. I mean, they'll they'll steal, copy, spy, you know. So I totally get where it's coming from. But uh, it's an unprecedented move, like you're saying. It's sort of like that never really happened. Things They usually just let the market fall where it, where it will. But it's a whole other thing when it becomes a national security. Yeah. Case. But before we never saw China really like that. If China was always well, like they were never were they, there was, I mean, there were was, they this powerful before? That's it. Now they're much more powerful and now because of the virus, we're all sort of topsy turvy and, and where we're landing after this is all over. Right. And it's a good time to uh, make major decisions because a lot of stuff is flying under the radar. Right <laughs> and right before an election. So yeah, so, the TikTok is big news, though. That's a good story to bring up because that's big news. And teenagers are freaking out. I saw like somebody argues with teenagers are like, I'm going to vote I'm now. I'm sorry, but there's really no argument for like keeping TikTok. Like seriously, like you, that's okay. Like that's supposed to be okay. <laughs> they don't care. There's a question coming up in the coming election of like, there are now like there is now a big part of America who is like Marxist. Mm, mm. and it's not like it was before where that where marxist air quotes was like bad you know what i mean like I, now i would say probably in the younger generation 
the word capitalist has a more of a negative connotation than the word communist or socialist or Marxist. But you see how slowly these ideologies take root. This is not something that happens overnight. I mean, it's because people are associating capitalist with like a uh, vulture, like someone who takes advantage of mm -hmm. other human beings. Like crony capitalism. Someone who takes advantage of other human beings for personal wealth. You but know? also, I think throughout history, Marxism has always been an ideology that has been embraced by young people that they grow out of it. Yeah, this was the point I was gonna was gonna was gonna make is that the way that that people uh, get rooted into Marxism is making it seem like the current system, however it is, this capitalism, mixed socialism, is hopeless. That your life really, is, I mean, it's quite obviously not. Like in America, you can bootstrap yourself up. Yeah, I it's mean, still possible. Straight up. And you could live a good life here without, mm -hmm. and you don't need a lot of money to live a good life in America. You don't need to be rich to. No, America has it really well off. So what's the combination? It's a culture that tells you, you need to be a baller. You need to be rich and you need to have everything to be cool and light. That's why, isn't it sort of ironic that like your Instagram, which is the thing that you would think is one of the most embraced by uh, the Marxist youth is sort of the whole point of it is showing off how how big and great you are and how oh, much nice yeah. stuff you have and making people want to go and try and have those things. It's like Conflicting. the most capitalist thing there is. But that that's what, remember, there's the Instagram and all that is just on the surface. There's a whole population of human beings behind that. So basically looking at Instagram every day and going, oh my God, look at all these people. They're so good looking and so rich and they have great cars and live great lives and their parents are rich and it's not fair. It's not fair. That's the whole root of a, of the beginning. But we talked about the, the, the sequence. That's the root of a Marxist revolution. It's not fair and I'm not going to take it anymore. So the only way for this American ideal to go forward is to say, we need to reevaluate culturally, and that's a hard part, to change a culture, what we value. Yeah, but you, it's, a, it's also a silent majority thing because America is 300 million people, and there are, there are a lot of, of youth who are, want revolution, but there are so many people who just want to keep their jobs and their businesses and more their than the ones who want and their cars and their lives. If I, if I could get, say one thing to the people out there, and maybe you agree with me, John, I think the number the number of people who truly want revolution and upheaval and overthrow of the government it's a small number is small. And, and not to say it can't grow into something in the future, not to say it's but not it wouldn't because there's no reason for it to. There's I no mean, real hardship. Yeah, other mm. than this virus and that's why well, it's gotten the foothold that it has but let's hold let's let's wait here because they just let the uh the 600 a week or the extra in unemployment for the virus lapse mm. now yeah so we're gonna see now in in the next three or four weeks people are now making standard unemployment whatever it was 300 a week or whatever as people start to run out of money and yeah but we're, landlords we're now, can't this, collect everything's open again yeah, but everything's open, but it's not move. It's not like circulating. It was before the virus. I mean, no. But if you needed to, you could go out and find work. Not everyone. There's gonna be people left behind, dude. Yeah, but not. I mean, 
if you were really determined enough with how things are right now, unless everything shuts down again, you can find work right now doing something. Or you might have to change where you live. Like think about in the big cities, you know, there's there reaches a breaking point where there's like, think of all the unemployed people. You can't. And, and then plus now say a guy who was making, yeah, but what are you supposed to do? Keep giving him $600 a week forever. Maybe, for the next year? maybe wean him off and give him 300 a week. That's, that's what, what they were. Doing, pu- that's it? what, well, that's what they're fighting about. The Democrats want the full 600 and they won't let it go. Why does it have to be so <laughs> polarized about everything? Can we not just meet in the middle on a couple things that gets personal and the, and it get the personal attacks come into it sure. and insults and then everybody goes as far as they possibly can left or right and then they just scream at each other and say no yeah. no 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 no. Yeah, yeah, no that's that's how it's been for a while now. I mean, that's there is very very little bit of meeting in the middle anymore, but I read a disconcerting article today. What's that? What's it about? That suggested that if the election is contested and is still unresolved by January 20th, then by default the speaker of the house would become president at least temporarily. Which would be Nancy Pelosi. Nancy Pelosi. Ooh. So beyond the so the election happens and it's contested. Mm-hmm. And if they're still wrangling by about January twentieth, by January twentieth, she gets the president and the vice president until the Supreme Court decides have to scram. Oh, but the Supreme Court eventually it goes to the Supreme Court who decides who just like Bush Gore. Well, it's comp. It depends what's being challenged oh god that could get really ugly in certain circumstances it goes to this congress in certain circumstances it goes to the supreme well Court. trump's already bringing the rattle in those cages mm-hmm. he's, he's already starting to say it i hope i hope you know i hope we come to our senses and you know that's obviously a lot of people going yeah right out there but you know the president is an important obviously figure in the american government but he is just but one man I hope we can live with whoever wins the election. Either way, there's going to be a lot of unhappy people either way. This will not be a happy-go-lucky outcome. I wish we could just start from scratch. Like <laughs> two new, totally new guys. Yeah. yeah, I'm with you. You know, like not even anyone who was in the primaries. Like just have a whole new primary again with completely different people like Mulligan. Yeah. You know? And it goes back to, our, I think, our very first podcast or one of the first ones that... Like you said, younger people need to get more involved in the government if we want to like, because I mean, really, our choices here are pretty You know what else? It's even hard to be like, I'm a Republican. I'm a registered Republican and I'm in the Republican groups and all this stuff. And they have like events, right? To get the community together. Yeah. And it's really like, it's, it's. Coming like you know when you see the people out on the boats like with the Trump flags and the beards and like being kind of crazily like Trumpy, (laughs) like that's if you want to be involved in Republican stuff, like that's what it is now. Like that's the mainstream like Republican Party events are like crazy Trump Trumped out stuff. It's like you can't just be like a a fair like we just (laughs) a moderate. Even necessarily like why can't I you be a Republican? But kind of like not really for Trump so much, 
but like still a Republican and right. gonna probably end up voting for him just because you're a Republican. Well, not really wanting to, not wanting to vote for the other guy. That's what, but that's what the Republicans are gonna have to live with for a long time. Is that Trump took over the Republican Party? Yeah, he, he did. He, he now represents the idea ideals true, yeah. of, of the party. In a big way, yeah. And the Democrats it's don't a cult of personality. Democrats don't have are fragmented all over the place. So it's two different that's that's one thing, you know, it doesn't seem the Democrats have a clear message. The Republicans have a really clear message, but it just seems that not everybody's on board with that clear message. So it's just kind of a like a smashing it in your face vibe. Yeah. That's happening. That's like that that's not all you're doing is making it worse. Well, people get so defensive. Is that's that's it's the issue. Is that uh, you know they feel like they're getting picked on, or you know that uh, it's un. Especially, you know what really freaks me out is when people start uh, aligning that their party is like on the side of God. <laughs> like care. That's when it. Re- that's when I go. Oh my gosh! Like it's we're carrying out God's will with with this it's troubling for sure it's troubling you know once again i'm going to say third party will fix this but anyway but it's one of those things too where where like but really the the republican party is the party of like church stuff mostly yeah it's just religious mean, conservative yeah i mean granted there's there's a really big contingent of like a particularly african american uh church communities and they're they're majorly Democrats. Yeah, yeah. But like generally, white America, white religious America is for sure conservative, very conservative. evangelicals as right. they call them. Right, one hundred percent. And it's like, well, because it all comes down to abortion for them. It does. That the buck stops at abortion. That's it. Yep. And you know, and that's, well, there's other stuff tied into it, like the gay marriage and all that. Yeah, and just a general conservative. You know, the bottom line is nobody wants to budge on anything no. like you, it's either like um being being gay is is against uh whatever being gay is wrong yeah. or, or it's not like you're you're either you're either a republican and you think being gay is wrong or you're a democrat <laughs> you know what i mean like yeah. wh- when how are you supposed to function in in a system like that like how can you be a republican and have Republicans stand behind you and vote for you mm. and believe in gay marriage and abortion and whatever else. Well, at some point, politics got jacked by, hijacked, I should say, by the foaming at the mouth to angry people on both sides. And it, my mom talks about all the time about, you know, there used to be a time, like in, in even even in the turbulent times of like Vietnam and, uh, you know, when things were crazy politically, that the Democrats and Republicans could talk about things. Mm-hmm. And that if your neighbor was like a Democrat, it was like, oh, my neighbor's Democrat. No yeah, big, I just don't know. No I big deal. If, is, it, is it the internet that has polarized us so much? It must, it must be. It's the all internet, the but, venom on, on But the I'm saying if we consider, let's say a, a third of the country is foaming at the mouth political. And another 40% is moderate and then another 30 percent is apathetic they don't they don't they don't they don't apathy has has like they're overtaken like in the bush era like 
political apathy was at an all-time high, I feel like. Yeah. Like that like a lot of people didn't even vote back then because everything was steady and the boat wasn't rocking and it didn't matter if it was Clinton or Bush or Carter or whomever. Or whoever. It was basically exactly the same. Like maybe it would the issues would kind of scooch a little bit that way or that way, but now it seems like there's so much at stake. Like the notorious RBG is like gonna be out soon. Ooh, that's a big one. And like and everything RPG. matters so much, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like well, everyone this is thing. more aware of what matters and why than they were before because of the internet. Yeah. Well, it's also this last election of, of Hillary Clinton and Trump was like a want 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 election for a lot of people of I don't want to choose either one. I don't like the two party system. I'm voting third party. That's happening more and more often. People but are Trump saying, man that really, really shook, we'll never, shook the anthill. We'll never in forget it. In a big it. way, everybody thought it was going to be Hillary Clinton. Yeah. that's Even if you're a Republican, it was just for granted. I was shocked. Everyone I, was completely they, and utterly shocked. There was there was a few points. That when he first came out and said he was running, I thought, oh, that silly Donald Trump. He's like, <laughs> he's, he's just trying to get Yeah, he's, he's going to start the new apprentice season next week or whatever. And right. he's getting ratings. All of a sudden, he like... Gets into the primary. He, when he won the primary, I went, "Whoa, <laughs> he is the Republican nominee." And I remember you even said to me at a certain point, you and when w- one of the things, crazy things that he did came out, and you were just like, "He's toast." I was like, "No, it was it's a thing." Now. It was a thing where he got caught. Bus. Yeah, he got caught on the bus, grabbed her by the, uh, you uh-huh. know. And I thought, and I immediately was like, "Yeah, there's just no You're way." Like, it's it's over. He's toast. He's gonna so be out election of it. And then it didn't day. Matter. <laughs> Election Day 2016, it blew it blew a lot of people's minds. So I, I have a, a particular um, thorn in my side about the Trump presidency mm. being a Republican. Yeah, because I am a big fan of the Bushes, and I really wanted Jeb Bush to be the next president. Ooh, and he took down Bush and, so um, quickly. I I wrote in <laughs> Jeb Bush for like on the uh, president election ago or two. Like I didn't want either one, and I wrote in Jeb Bush. <laughs> and um, there's this funny thing with presidents and CEOs and powerful people in general. That they're tall. I don't know if you've ever noticed that, yeah, but it's, yeah, yeah. it's a thing. Like yeah. CEOs, if you look it up, are taller. Like they're usually like six foot. Or, uh, like People that are tall, just it's a psychological thing or whatever. Alpha they they thing, command yeah. like respect and tension. Right? Yeah. And if you looked at the... Uh, the nominees for the Republican uh, president yeah. for the year that for this last election, it was. I'm sorry to reduce it to this, but it was short guy, short guy, short guy. Jeb Bush, who's like super tall and, <laughs> and imposing, and then Donald Trump, who's like super tall and imposing, and then short guy, short guy, short guy, <laughs> short guy. Like in my mind, it was really supposed to be Jeb Bush. Like hmm. they trotted out Jeb Bush to be the president. He was like the one, he was in the middle of all the debates. He was like where all the focal point was on. And Trump just completely took the wind out of Jeb Bush's sails and upstaged him. Yeah. Called him a low energy individual and just like annihilated Jeb Bush. Like, yeah. It should have been Jeb Bush. Jeb hmm. Bush would have been a reasonable, it would have been a Republican and that would have pissed off the and normal another, people who would have been pissed off about a Republican being president. But it wouldn't Bush. have pissed off everybody about it. He wouldn't have beat Clinton, I bet. He had his he had his centrist stand no, he probably wouldn't have beat Clinton, you're right. Yeah. No no that was a whole expose. Like I think you're right on a lot of levels of 
of human psychology of like when what what Trump was doing up there was sometimes like some showmanship next level though mastery of just controlling the narrative. Trump came out and said, I could shoot someone in the middle of Fifth Avenue and they'll still love me. And it basically it's a hundred percent true. (laughs) He's he's literally bulletproof at this. I mean, he's done so many things. He could say that, but that's but there's here's one thing I'm gonna say that just like any polarizing figure, he's pulled some extreme uh, opinions and hatred and people who want to take them down. That's what polarizing people do, who have inflated the image of him of like something that he's not in the end. Like Exactly. Like if you really listen to him speak yeah. about important things, most of the time it's very, it's reasonable. And I often agree with his his viewpoint on things but his implementation of it but then he'll go and just do some rep say some reprehensible thing or make fun of somebody or just have no like tact or just be rude and it's like dude it's it it all goes together like you can't have good ideas and be an asshole there's a, a diplomacy you need uh, exactly diplomacy you, that you need and we are so desperate for now that is just gone now out of politics like you can't be coming up with these names for people like sleepy joe and crooked hillary and all this stuff like these are people who are deserving of respect they're they're high he up blew that lid our, off their government long, servants that he blew that lid off so long ago the problem you can't have a president who uses twitter every day i mean the three times a day literally takes his phone with him during his morning constitutional and just blows out the worst. And it's like, like, it's like, leave it on your bedside table. It's like what an angry teenager would do. So there's fatigue there. And and it's like with Elon Musk, (laughs) the power that you hold within your fingertips and the ability to move markets is a response. It's a responsibility. It's a huge, tremendous responsibility. Yeah. 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 Well, but the, and then on the other hand, I have a problem with I I don't think I can vote for for Biden. Sure, I mean, sure. That thing where when he said, um, "I've decided I'm my running mate is going to be I, no matter who it is, I don't care who it is, uh, it will be a woman." Yeah, yeah. Like that is not the right way to pick <laughs> a running mate. I'm sorry, but I think most women would agree. You pick the best candidate for the job. You don't just pick somebody just. Take everyone out unless they're women, just to make a point. This is an important. Yeah, well, that's that. Of course, takes it to the other extreme of where you'll do anything to appease the masses, to in your eyes, you know. But the fact that that is what so one is the masses one is, is unco- troubling. One is uncompromising in in his approach and rules with a like a hard fist and a and a sharp one's too rigid one's too soft and and one is 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 like uh definitely for me the biden is like what's what's going on with this guy <laughs> like i don't he even, doesn't always look good sorry but you need to be appear strong if you're going to be the president of the united states the guy is like you're like if if you're at a family reunion and he's just like <laughs> <laughs> off in the corner or something. You're just kind of like, hey, oh, Uncle that's Joe. old Joe over there. Like, hey, Uncle Joe, you take your medicine today? I'm sorry, dude, know. but America is a, is a dynamic uh, power. We're a mover and shaker in the world. The economy and and our military might is, well, is equal I, to none. Like, you need to be, like, 
strong and and you need to really have it together. Well, we're in the beginning of August. All I could say to everyone is just, you know, strap on your seatbelts because I think uh, this is going to be one of those eras in, in American history we won't forget. This is so funny because, like, it really is. I know, I think most people are, and I certainly am personally, like, gearing up for a coming storm. Like, yeah, everybody recognizes that we feel it inside. I think we're all feeling the, it. the fall comes and the flu season starts. We're going to have this coronavirus thing get way worse. And that's going to be on our hands. And it's going to be this presidential political stuff going with on. No one able to go and vote. And it's oh, my God. Like you can see it's like you're standing on the beach yeah. and you just see these black clouds rolling in and you're just like, is my house uh, <laughs> built well? Like, do I have everything I need? I mean, maybe I'm being like over the top, but no, no, no. You I are really, you... really hope we just sort of this is not as bad as everyone thinks it's going to be, and it kind of. Just I like... still have I still have faith in like the inner decency of most Americans. I think, uh, like we talked about, we said, uh, you know, the extremists will always be there on both sides, and there's going to always be some extremist type actions, especially in an environment like this. But in the end, decency prevails. I'm in gonna be. I'm gonna, yeah, but I say yeah. I'm with you that I feel the storm with you. Uh, you're not alone. I see the dark clouds on the horizon. Like everybody, dude, just wants to continue to live, going work. to work, and making money, and and making your car payments and your mortgage payments, and like having your kid be educated. And Gr- nobody wants everything to blow up and be horrible. Yeah. But do we? Are we really so divided on the issues of our time that we're willing? To let everything blow up? Mm, some people, for sure. And how do we prevent it from blowing up if we're not? We have to have faith in our institutions that have been here for a long, long time, including our national guard. I mean, like voting. What are we <laughs> supposed to do? How is this supposed to work? I guess you go vote in person, I guess. And, uh, and I'm being a devil's advocate here. And expose all of our loved ones to COVID-19 and have mass death? I don't know. but <laughs> So... Right? I don't know. Or are you supposed to just have everyone mail in a vote and have widespread voter fraud mm. and, and debatable outcomes? There's no good outcome. There's no... This is like, what are you supposed to do? Maybe have maybe have like a voting places follow strict coronavirus regulations. That's probably... You know what? Sanitize. I, figure out a way to vote that's not spreading the virus. I did see uh, Obama speak the other day. And, and he made a good point, which as a Republican, you would not agree with this, but which I think is a good point. The election day in the United States should be a national holiday. Yeah, That for people sure. have off work. Yeah. That's horseshit to have a, expect single mothers and people that are working crazy hard to get over to the polling place before it closes and cast their or their early vote. in the morning or That's whatever. That's not fair. Not fair. A hundred percent. That really is a, a pretty big level of insanity to expect us. And, and you're like, going to give all, give off all these kooky days and not every once every four years. So you give us vote the day the to vote. Yeah. And you're, and, and I'm in retail. I wouldn't get the day off anyway. I'm just saying it would seem fair. I'm a hundred percent on board, you know, and then we, then we get mad about voter turnout, you know, like no one showed up, you know, you have this thing where you, it's got big long lines and, and stuff and you're supposed to get up early 
to go there before your job or you're supposed to try and make it there on your way home when you got to go you know have dinner on the table for your kids and you're supposed to go stand in line and go out of your way and wait at the voting place just it doesn't make sense i keep thinking though that we are going through with the virus and the politically this sort of like breakdown of the you know it's like it feels like a we're we're having a collective like whoa come to earth moment but it's been sweet for a long period of time yeah. Like, the biggest hiccup we had was 9-11. Like, if you think about that, right? Like, 9-11 happened, and then we invaded Iraq and Afghanistan and, like, leveled countless towns and yeah. cities in these countries in the Middle East. Like, we're over here like, oh, we have this pandemic. It's horrible. Like, we did horrible things to people over there. Like, <laughs> I know it was it was war and there were reasons for it and stuff, but we went over there and killed people. Yeah. No doubt. With, with and the, what happened to them, I mean, their, their town, their cities got destroyed by bombs. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, man. That's, you know, that'd be, I don't know what really went on there, but it seems like a lot of that stuff was like, okay, Saddam Hussein, bad guy, but, you know, we're like going to be like studying, we're going to be studying that for years, man. I mean, but, we're, but we don't, though. There's somebody studying it, not us. Yeah. Well, because we're, because we realize what are we going to do about what's our role in it? Not let it happen again. Yeah, but then how do we do that? We vote for certain politicians. It's our only that's our only outcome in it. We don't control the geopol geopolitical game of the world. We vote for politicians. But at, but at the end of the day, your money bought the bombs that destroyed those cities. Understood. In the end of the day, I had to go to work to earn that money to buy food to eat. Yeah. What other You're choice? Just sort of caught up in the whole system. I have to. We have to live. Yeah. So, the only way is to protest and vote, and it's, you know people are doing it. But yeah, I just like you know. Sometimes wars happen, and you have to fight in them because you have no choice, or because you're standing up for someone. Or because there's a really good reason, you know what I mean. You want independence from Britain, or uh, you know this the tide of of Nazism is sweeping over Europe, or mm. any number of other things. But I, I don't really understand what the whole Iraq and Afghanistan and the whole Middle East, Syria, and all that stuff. I really don't see the point other than global geopolitical positioning, which, in my opinion, is is not a valid reason for killing people there is there is like definitely i think a root of trying to remove um these ultra con muslim conservative leaders i think at the end of the day here's what it comes down to they don't want to they don't want they don't want it to take hold like this uh this whole ultra conservative thing they're proxy wars so russia uh, bankrolls and controls certain Middle Eastern governments and America bankrolls and controls certain Middle Eastern governments and we're vying for global positioning <laughs> and the people who are suffering are the people who live in the Middle East that's unconscionable yeah just pawns in the game well, I mean 
I'm against any innocent person. Think about it, any innocent civilian caught up in the mix, but it happens all the time. You know, I mean, for as, as villainized, as much as we villainize China, do they do that? They, well, they do it. Uh, there's, there's a big part in Western China um, where it sort of blends into the sort of Middle East a little bit over there. So it's like the, um, like the Eastern Europe. Thing, like the Slovakia there's like Kazakhstan there's India there Pakistan right. there's like a it starts to go into there and there's a lot of Muslims in Western China and China's really harsh on its own people so like people in Tibet they're they rule with an iron fist well, isn't Tibet like oh, independent now Tibet is technically part of China so technically is still in Chinese territory that's a big sensitive thing for them. The, the three things you don't talk about with the Chinese are Tibet, Taiwan, and Tiananmen Square. The three T's, they called it, is because Tiananmen Square was their big revolt back in 1989 that the government squashed down <laughs> immediately, <laughs> brought in tanks, Tank Man, that whole thing. Yeah, but they didn't run Tank Man over, right? Nobody knows what happened to Tank Man. <laughs> Nobody knows. <laughs> Supposedly they didn't, but uh, it was a bunch of college students at the time who came and were revolting in China, and they squashed that. Taiwan is still an ongoing thing where they... And Taiwan's a whole thing. They claim sovereignty, but China says, no, you're part of us. Oh, we're not part of you. But, yeah, I mean, part you know, of you. but that, those are all... Internal. Internal, right. So most see, of their strife is internal. China playing geopolitical games. Mostly not, and that's what their claim to thing is that... That America gets involved as the, as the world police, and we all we're trying to do is to take care of ourselves. That's it. That's admirable, you know. I mean, there are a lot of things they do that aren't admirable, but in that <laughs> in that particular situation, I think that's that's good. Yeah. Hmm. But no, things are going in a weird direction with China too, for sure. So, Hong Kong. I, Hong Kong was one of the coolest cities, man. And just to, just to visit as an adventurer, as a young guy. Man, that was a cool city. I would think so. It's just a, oh, a hub, you know. It's almost like it could be on super, cool. but yeah, it's almost like that because it has the mix of all the Asian cultures, and then British culture was there too. It was a Brit British like right, and then colony. there's just like these towering buildings with Humongous neon lights everywhere, buildings, with like Chinese characters. All these on markets everywhere. They have a cool subway system. It was like it was super cool to be there. Hong Kong money felt like Monopoly money there. <laughs> it did. It was like things were like a hundred thousand Hong Kong dollars. Like it felt really dumb, you know. It was like That's you were funny. living in a fantasy land of a Asian fantasy land. It was cool. So. That that that's now when it start. I started to feel like things were changing as well. Now in China, there's like, I mean, drugs. They don't really ha like have drugs, right? They, like, do they still like smoke weed and stuff in China? Not really. So right? when I took my little class, they give you a little class when you go there, like in Beijing, like the dude, like the a teacher cultural, class. Like a, like, um, it's like we want to let you guys know, just so you know, Chinese law: if you possess fifty grams over. Any of any illegal substance is punishable by execution. So, like any amount of marijuana is punishable by death. Fifty gram, over fifty grams okay. of it. So, there's been foreign people executed in China for having large amounts of drugs. 
basically the answer to your question is 50 grams and like not that it's not that much (laughs) basically the answer to your question is no what i saw of course in a population of one and a half billion there was there was gonna be drugs well don't they have like opium isn't that their thing yeah opium and i'm sure they human beings find ways to their big thing was alcohol dude alcohol and cigarettes it's a humongous drinking culture and they smoke like chimneys and but the government squashes illegal it's funny i mean illegal marijuana like is an ancient Chinese herb, right? Didn't no, it like I don't think in, so. In China, they don't look kindly upon it. It's not. No. Mm. They they have a really intense. Remember, remember they had the opium wars in China. Right. Basically, the the British government was trading them tons and tons of opium, <laughs> and and like their their population was the opium dens. Like their population was getting so addicted to opium. The Chinese government had the opium wars with, with the Britain to say, Stop selling us drugs, <laughs> we're, we're dying. And they had like two opium wars like over it. So <laughs> we don't want it because Britain was like, no, you're going to trade with us and we're going to trade you drugs. Take it. Smoke this opium and you're going to like it. <laughs> and you're going to give us money. You're going to give us trinkets in return. <laughs> trinkets we like your little asian trinkets and we're giving you drugs take it no do you guys have any friendship bracelets (laughs) but but we make chopsticks and and all sorts of cool stuff no we're giving you drugs can we get some of those hats (laughs) those big pyramid hats that you wear so so after after the communist revolution they're like never again we're not going to be enslaved by drugs so they had a big anti-drug thing in the communist revolution that you know drugs were killing us they're also uh communists don't uh continents religion either right oh yeah no they're they're very against organized religion they claim to be not not like what takes the place in china of religion and drugs like those ve- are two big parts <laughs> of like american culture well like, you're what, not gonna like big this gaps to but fill. nationalism takes a big root so yeah. people people take a big root in i love my country I am a proud Chinese. I am. I support the, the party. I support the growth of China. It's like this collective thing they got going on where the state becomes their religion. The oh. country becomes a religion. The, right. the race. Yeah. The race becomes their religion. Kind it's of little, animal farming. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but there was, the, the, there was a, uh, a semi-religion, I guess you could call it, sort of like that, called Falun Gong. And it was like a form of it's like a guy like fell on a gong and then cool. <laughs> <Dad> <laughs> joke, sorry. <laughs> he uh, anyways, the short long, long story short, it's like a it's a philosophy mixed with Tai Chi, but it became this like big oh, Tai Chi is righteous. It's pretty cool. I saw a lot of that going on, but it became this movement sort of within China that had a big growing of it. All these they started growing. Then the government was like, anything that grows in China, they're like, nope. That has a membership that anything that starts to rival the party is squashed immediately. So they started. They can't to, have a, a pope over there. Nope. Going against their dictates. Nope. They can't. They can't have anyone that goes against the party. That's it. The party dominates. So they started cracking down on Falun Gong and arresting all these like people in it, and it was a big thing there. It, it, the way I, I used to, I always hear this secondhand, but. The the way they maintain control of one and a half billion people is through fear, and you know how you get people scared is that I heard a story once that in in the city that I was living in there was a couple of guys who uh, they 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 were working a lottery ticket they have lottery tickets in China too, and they they were did a scam you know where they were like 
stealing lottery tickets and cashing in the tickets or whatever. Like they, making fake tickets or just No, like... they were somehow stealing the rolls of tickets and okay. then, you know, they were hitting it big and making all this right. money. And they eventually got busted. Like someone found them out. They went on the run like around China, like racing away from the... And the Communist Party found them in like three days and they were executed two days later. Like... Like... Executed. No trial. The trial lasted one day. It's literally... You're, it's, it's like a, it's like a military trial, basically. It's a farce, you know. Once you're it went so when the people people read that in the papers in China and go, oh, I'll, I think I'll stay in line, you know. Like I think that yeah, I'll. But I can't help but think that like that much fear would create so much steam in people. No that, doubt, no doubt. Like it would come out. I mean, you of uh, that many people can't live in that level of fear without revolution and this is the folly that i think this is a beautiful way here almost to kind of come to a point of all the political stuff we've been talking about is that marxist theory it's like it's like a cycle that's that's a lot what that's a lot of what what uh people will like professors and and at universities will say is that no matter what, comes, a communist, communism cannot reason. survive right because but people can get, get you out of a bad situation People get well, but because it's it gets corrupted. Pure communism. Like it got communism got them out of an empirical system, right? I mean, it yeah. Was, well, there was a huge civil war after World War II, and then that basically the nationalists were Mao Zedong, or the socialists or whatever, and uh, so you had, there was a big civil war, and and the communists won. In but China. it was a, a monarchy before, right? Like, like in the, Japan in the early 1900s. Yes, there was like a king. But it was always a warring states in China. There was always like... Like feudal. Feudal. And then it started to fall apart. They were really poor, early 1900s, everything was... And they, what it is, is they were ripe for invasion. That's why Japan did so well when they went over there in yes, World War II. Yes, they were weak. They just rolled over. They were weak at that time. So there was a lot of, let's say, hurt pride in China after World War II. It was like they were beaten down. So there was a lot of like... We have to like rise up so as a country. So you could argue that like communism was necessary. It was like the only way for them to like get it together. Yeah, and it fit it fit the Chinese way of thinking, and it, mm-hmm. that 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 came through the feudal times. You know what I mean? Right. It just, sort of just fit nicely into the way Chinese people think. Like we're because they they have a communist type of feeling. Like, like we're all for all for one. We're all in this together. Let's help each other. Well, like, and like we talked about before, the the ethnic identicalness of all of them goes yeah, towards yeah. that too but they just have, they have that you, you, that's one of the beautiful things walking in the streets in China it was like people do like there's a general sense of community of like people are outside playing with their kids playing mahjong and everyone's like that is doing cool their thing. yeah they're very communal sometimes America can feel alienated yes for sure and but the the point I was making is that no matter what these systems of government get corrupted and that a communist government can never stay pure because the power gets centralized into one that one state it's party. It's like to, animal farm. It's inevitably corrupt. At the corrupted. end of the day, you got the pigs in there wearing human clothes. So when does communism collapse? When the people no longer trust at all their individual state government. But it doesn't seem like China is anywhere near that at this point. The doesn't only, seem the only that. people in in the Chinese structure. But why though? Are the are the Taiwanese and the people in Hong Kong? But why? Here's why. Because because they've had a taste of capitalism. Exactly. You nailed it. Because in the 1970s. Uh, Deng Xiaoping, Mao Zedong died. He was the leader of the Communist Party. The little red book guy, the whole thing. He's he like was the, a guy. Deng, guy. Deng Xiaoping came in and they called him, 
at the time it was pure communism. It was collective state. Everyone was just, and they were struggling. People were starving. Yeah. Because it doesn't work. You got to sprinkle some capitalism. You can't, you can, there's, because you can't grow in communism very right. easily. It's all very That's what like, went wrong with the Soviet Union. So he, he started to stick with the pure form of it. He started something called special economic zones in China. Mm, like and little the, engines. Little engines. And these, and he started, and, and they blew up. Like foreign investment, they like people would come in and cheap labor and and right. and it was and like pe- little ports of entry for uh, dollars. little oil wells, right? You know, and to this day that happened in the seventies. I think back then their GDP, their GDP was like twenty percent of what we were doing, right? So then we fast forward to nineteen ninety. Uh, their GDP is like two trillion. Ours is six trillion. So now we fast forward to today, right. and. Their GDP is like almost getting up to ours. Oh yeah, they're very much competitive. So they say by 2025, China's GDP will surpass ours. But you have to ask yourself then, why all of a sudden, and will this eventually be their downfall, is the Chinese Communist Party trying to eliminate those special economic zones? Xi Jinping wants Hong Kong back. Like they don't want that foreign investment there anymore. They want to have Hong Kong because, back under their wing. Because the commun- like the Communist Party's number one goal is to preserve the Communist Party. They don't care if they ruin the economy. They 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 look <laughs> they look at they look at Hong Kong. And remember, Hong Kong is about like revolt against. They don't like mainland China and Hong Kong. They were like a separate country when I was there. It's like you had to go through a barrier. Like you had to go through like a exchange. And now China is just like, oh, no, you had to show guess your, what? You had no, to, you're not different. You had to show your passport at the Hong, to get into Hong Kong. It was a different country, a different currency, a different language. It was completely different. Now what happens is people in Hong Kong are like, the mainland is like, we hate communism. We're more, in, so what, we're more what, into democracy. What happens between Hong Kong and China that can't happen between China and the United States directly? Like what is even the need for Hong Kong? Like, I know there are foreign companies that are there and that do business there, but other than its physical proximity to China, why couldn't those companies just do what they do from California? Hong Kong just has a very, let's say, historical, like, uh, position in in the eastern part of the world. Like, it's a... it's it's seen as a big economic powerhouse of... Think well, of, I mean, it's like... Like one New of York. the great cities of the world. It's like, it's like think London of it, or New York. Yeah, think of it like the New York, but even with its relationship to the West, Hong Kong has always been a city that's like, remember, connected to England, connected to UK. It has this sort of door. Hong Kong is connected to it's the like a do- It's like the br- it's like a bridge city to the to okay. to the east. So they're more think so of, think like of them. It's easier for countries to have like diplomatic outposts. And they have and a more western way of thinking. They're more like but what, Remember, but Hong Kong is like I know how they're different. They're like free market so what, capitalism. What, how is Hong Kong connected to China? So Hong Kong is actually right off of the coast I know of physically. the Chinese mainland, yeah. How is it connected is is back in the old 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 China. There was basically like the Cantonese people who, uh, like, there's... So is the Cantonese and the Mandarin? Are the two languages of the main languages. And Cantonese is only spoken in the really southern part of China and in Hong Kong. And it's like the old traditional style kind of in the southern part of China. 
And they're trying to root out that language and make Mandarin. They're trying to make Mandarin the universal Chinese language, which it is in the mainland now. So they're trying to root that culture out slowly but surely and make it. That's what communists try to do, make one uniform thing. Now, I remember reading the reason that Hong Kong had autonomy was because they had a deal with Britain. And it was to a certain year. It was like to 2050 or something that they were supposed to remain autonomous for. And then they just said... So they nah. actually they actually had an agreement with Britain as like a lease almost on the city. It was city. like from... So it was Britain it, owned it? Yeah. Britain was in control of it, let's say. Like it was under British rule. It was like... So, okay. This it was guy, British the law. The guy after Mao Zedong yeah. designates Hong Kong as a special economic zone. Britain is still in control at this time. So, Britain so is, Britain, Hong Kong wasn't Britain, one of those special economic zones? No. Okay. Britain is, think of it as an autonomous zone. So Hong China Kong. has within it, other than Hong Kong, little oh, economic yeah. zones of Beijing capitalism? Beijing in itself has a, is a special economic zone, Shanghai. And so what's now the difference there's between a special economic zone and uh, one that, a part that's not? That the special economic zone is under different rules than than those so other parts. So, like companies have liberties. Yes, that they don't have in other parts of China. Okay, so the the Communist Party doesn't exert complete control in special economic. Not in, exactly, zones. but they take a humongous cut of the money that's coming in. So you know, special it's think of special economic zone has much more free market type right. of mentality, but. Put it this way, in a special economic, in every. But at the end of the day, they're controlled by the party, right? Even so, if they're in a special economic zone, they still are have to do the bidding of the party if they decide. If the party decides, the party decides everything. So, so, but Hong Kong is it's not China. Now it is, but before, look at you. We were talking about nineteen. 19- but it must have been at some point, or they wouldn't have had an agreement. Nineteen ninety nine was when you were talking about that. Like lease ran up with Britain. Okay. So at that point, what happened was Hong Kong was like, we don't want to be mainland China. They're scared of the Communist Party. Okay. We like being Hong Kong. We're under British common law. So we, how far back were they British? So I think until like after World War II. World War II, Hong So World Kong. War II, it's kind of like what happened in Germany where like uh, America and Russia kind of won World War II and met in the middle of Germany. And started and then get, just split it dividing up. things up. Yeah. Right. But... The uh, um, what happened there is that um, so in 1999 that lease ran up and then Hong Kong was freaking out so they actually made a new lease then with China and said let us stay how we are like under our own rules our own currency until 2050 or 2040 or whatever it was there was like a 50 year lease with China right and China just broke Said, that promise okay sure <laughs> well because you know why is because they have protests in hong kong all the time about mainland china against their government saying well, pro-democracy pro-free market pro against and the they're showing all the chinese people that look at us we're doing this we're standing up for certain liberties that we believe so in. they poke that they poke the bear of the chinese communist party too so many but times. one way or the other w- whether they were out in the street yelling and screaming about it or not China had a legitimate claim to Hong Kong 20 years from now. Like in 20 years, no, China yeah. was like, nobody in the world right. has a right to touch us. Like this exactly. is literally like an agreement we made. We're going in and taking it back. Like, yeah, it's legal. 
It's but, globally legal. But they just did that anyway. But they just did it early anyway. Just did that anyway. This is and bigger. No one it, can do anything about no it because we're all tied anything. up with all this stuff. I'm saying this was bigger news than most people realize. And yeah. now, now they just they were having elections. They have elections in Hong Kong and stuff. It's like a very Western style. Right, it's like a, like a Singapore. Or something. The Chinese government just removed like 12 people from their races or whatever because they were dissidents. So I mean, it's 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 over. It's now the Chinese government is now taking control of Hong Kong. But. Will they be able to have a similar situation with Taiwan? Because that could get ugly because Taiwan has a strategic position in the South China Sea. Yeah, but Taiwan, in the end, is, remember, is, is backed by the U.S. pretty strongly because they have, like, they have... But wasn't Hong Kong as well, backed by the West? Yeah, it's it's all very murky because we're back, but we don't have, like, bases there. You know what I mean? We don't have, right. like, military yeah, Taiwan, bases. Taiwan, we actually have a presence. But I'm saying... It's all small. Think of when you have to think of the size of China. We're talking a 10 million person military, uh, a massive like reserve. So it's like, almost like it is uh, inevitable. Like it's so, just going to, it's like two cells. Right. Like, it's just going to eat it up. Right now, China looks at Taiwan and goes, You silly. They call, they th- they, the mainland people I talked to them about this are like, it's our like angry little child. They're just angry little kid that <laughs> doesn't want to doesn't want to be part of dad's house anymore you know it's like angry with the, his parents and they just tolerate the noise you know like yeah they say they're not part of us but they're part of us they're us they're china yeah, but meanwhile, they're chinese but meanwhile that little kid has the neighbor in setting up bases in his room <laughs> you know what i mean like seriously you're talking about at like the, the South China Sea is this big thing now. Like yeah. China is like b- supposedly building like strategic islands in the South China Sea and making like bases on them. And they're always fighting for position. But the the root end of this is that nobody wants to go to war with China. Nobody does. Although America has more military hardware than China does, America has more fighter jets. More aircraft carriers, more tanks, more missiles. They do. It's a fact. America has like close to twice as many fighter jets as China does. Still, we don't want to. We don't want to. No, nobody wants. No one wants it. But it's not like we're afraid necessarily of. I mean, we are obviously afraid of losing lives in, in a war. But it's like I don't think generally people think like China would crush the U.S. in a war. No, but. It would be a devastating thing for all parties involved. So I'm saying all those countries in in Asia, it would it would be ugly. You know, it would not be good. And now, plus bring in bring in all the other you know nuclears and all that stuff. But so hey, uplifting podcast today. So I mean, I guess the question is uh, how and when and where does it does it end and does it? Because I mean, I feel like the general sort of steering point is towards a global government i mean there are people who have conspiracy theories about that but i think i i mean that seem would seem to be the inevitable end point to yeah you know to cosmological expansion i mean none of that is going to happen until we have a a united peaceful society on earth Mm. and as a system of governance communism and capitalism cannot coexist yeah yeah but uh 
I mean, it's something Communi- is going to have to fall. But remember, the, there's the complication of communism is it has to sustain itself while like growing it is not, first it has to like take, it once it stops growing it dies it has to take care of itself first like well, so it's capital that's in, the whole point of capitalism. internally well no capitalism runs a little more free to me it's just like but i mean capitalism is like take care of yourself first it's like if every if every man individually does what's best in his own best interest individually then the invisible hand of economics will benefit everyone right and the, the, the communism says we must protect the ideology first of the party at all costs in order for us to sustain ourselves. In your clearly well-educated about China opinion, when will the Chinese Communist Party fall? Ugh. I think probably, you know, it's it's... It's impossible to predict. It's it seems to me that not in our lifetimes. It won't be in our lifetimes. Okay. They've made they've appeased the people too much in terms of they've lifted enough of their own out of poverty to give them enough street cred, if you will, in China that it's like, oh, things are getting better. You know, we have cars and shopping malls and and, you know, we're not living in abject poverty everywhere all the time. You know, it seems like the big boom, it's like the big boom happened in China. So there's enough of that credibility now for them. Remember their GDP, it went up 25,000% or whatever it did, something crazy in, in a quarter century. I just think it's so interesting how complicated geopolitics is. Yeah. Where it's almost like, so many people are allied with or against so many other people that you can move so freely in that environment. Like, you you know, America and China are sort of at each other, but America and Russia are also sort of at each other, but Russia and China are sort of at each other. Yeah. And like India is at it with China and like everybody is sort of at it with everyone else. So well, because it's a self-preservation game is in the end. That's what countries are all about. How do we preserve ourselves? Um, you know, and that's why it's sort of cool that America and like Britain have yeah. such a great relationship. Isn't that nice? Like we won our independence from them in a bloody, horrible war. And now we're, we're the tightest allies on the planet. Yeah. Well, we have a similar way of life, put it that way. Yeah. There's just a similar way of living. And even with, with Europe uh, at large in general, I mean, even World War II happened. Mm-hmm. And German Germany and America have a great relationship. France and America. I mean, look at the European Union. Would you think it's possible that this soon after World War II, all of the countries that participated in World War II are basically part of the same country mm. and friends? It's we, amazing. We learn to tolerate each other. It's it's and that's where it's it feels like on the at the root of it the world is quite clearly defined. You know what I mean? Mm, it's like yeah. we all have our plot of land. We all have our flags. We all like have our little spots and we're like we just want to take care of ourselves and be the best you know, we can be. What's interesting to me is also China is like has really taken the for, taken the reins on like investment in Africa. Yeah, yeah. Like nobody else is doing anywhere near for Africa what China is. So um, you have to wonder what their what the end game is there. Mm-hmm. 
Like, why are they, do, are they well, doing dude, that out of the goodness of their hearts? We're all wondering what the end game is, you know? Like, I, does China... Can, can the Chinese party and Chinese government eventually contain parts of Africa? Do they want to? I think they'd, ra- the goal? they'd rather create a road for trade and resources. So now, oh, okay. so now Africa's if, rich with all this stuff. A lot stuff. of the electronics that's, that are made in China yeah. use these rare earth elements that are available in Africa. That's a good point. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a resource game. It's like, it's like a, think of it like a big massive game of SimCity or something. It's like building little, yeah. little roots and mining stuff out of, you know. But hey, here we are. Just two guys, you know. Just two guys. This has not been a very funny <laughs> podcast or uplifting one, but I, I I've been I've enjoyed picking your brain about. Yeah, China. no, anytime. You have a really deep understanding about what about the life over there. Yeah, and, and it's I, one of those things you cannot get that. It's like when you're trying to learn a new language. Yeah, like you can go on Rosetta Stone all you want, but if you want to learn Spanish. Go plunk yourself down in the Spanish country for a few months. And exactly. Once that's the key is that once you go and immerse yourself in a world around you like this, you start to go, oh, why is that like that? Why is this happening? You right. learn about the history of their own and, uh, from the and horse's mouth. You see the humanity of it. That that uh, you, you know. Can't, you can only read about something so far. Yeah, or watch a documentary or whatever it is. You just so. I hope to uh, travel to some other places. Um, sometime australia is interesting yeah you know they're kind of like the america and that they're sort of an offshoot of britain yeah but they like do shrimp on the shrimp on the babby they don't really meddle in anything like they're just like chilling yeah australia's chilling the most yeah they're chilling you know they got that sweet reef like (laughs) they're having barbecues all the time they have like a pretty small military nobody messes with them they don't mess with anybody yeah Australia is underrated. I think a lot of people are uh, into Australia. So we've had a guest for a couple of episodes here mm-hmm. on the Aging Millennials. That's been kind of nice. Yeah, we're open to guests. I think that's going to be a constant thing. I mean, whoever can, uh, if you're out there, you want to be part of the show, let us know. We'll find out. We'll find a way to get you on. But the last, uh, the two guests that we've had, mm-hmm. we've had via uh, tele, tele, tele video, yeah, uh, which was cool but yeah i would really love to get a, a physical guest live in person guest it's just yeah. something there's something different about being in the same room with somebody. yeah it has a different energy for you sure know. for sure and i know it, we've, we've had the coronavirus going on and stuff but yeah there's it would be nice so so yeah once again anybody listening out there who wants to throw topics our way we're happy to, do, wants to discuss that we, we want an interactive show drop us a line give us a call just uh we're on facebook you know and you especially on, uh you know we're gonna be un- unavoidable i think it's i'm fine i you know humor is gonna come out when it does but we're we're living in, in serious times sometimes it calls yeah, for ser- serious I talk mean, life we gotta, is, we gotta have a big it. goofy joke yeah all we, the time. and it's good to talk about it have a healthy debate so but anyway, I guess we'll wrap this up. Yep, yep, that's a good one. So everyone out there, be good, take it easy, have a, uh, you know, keep doing those healthy things and be positive. We hope, uh, we hope be you and yours are doing well, and uh, we wish all the best to you, and we'll be back soon. All right, take it easy. Take it easy. Thank you. 
for listening to the Aging Millennials Podcast.